0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, everybody. So today, the sponsor for my podcast is my other podcast. I am launching Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. It launched Monday, October 12th, and hopefully it'll stick around for a long time. It features uh, women talking to other women about their journeys of their bodies and getting tips and commiseration and all the things we need so that we don't feel alone and trying to make our bodies feel better tomorrow than they do today. So check out Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And it's also a community now on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. So if you fall into that category like I do and so many of us, um, come join us. The door is open. The next book in day four of my children's book blast is with Alyssa Milano and I'm so excited about this. For those of you who aren't familiar with Alyssa Milano, she is an actor, producer, designer, philanthropist, humanitarian, and New York Times bestselling author. (laughs) Alyssa will next be seen in the Farrelly Brothers comedy The Now for the new mobile streamer Quibi. She has also completed production on the indie film Who Are You People? She has signed on for a reboot of Who's the Boss alongside Tony Danza, which is so exciting. She most recently starred in Insatiable for Netflix as Cora Lee, the social climbing wife of a disgraced lawyer, beauty pageant coach. Prior to that, she was seen in the hit series Wet Hot American Summer 10 Years Later, opposite Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, and more. Last year, she launched the podcast Sorry, Not Sorry. The weekly podcast tackles social, political, and cultural issues from the perspective of unapologetic guests while highlighting activists doing amazing things in grassroots efforts throughout the country. Guests have included Vice President Joe Biden, Francis Fisher, Aaron Brockovich, Mayor Eric Garcetti, and Representative Carolyn Maloney, and Dr. Sanjay Gupta, among others. Alyssa co-authored the New York Times bestseller, Hope Project Middle School and Hope Project Animal Rescue and now the recently released Hope Project Class President. The book center on hope, a spunky 11-year-old girl who seeks to create change in her community. She has another book coming in the series in 2021. As an activist, she shines a spotlight on causes that matter to her, for example, the Me Too movement, Time's Up, and more. She is the ACLU's ambassador for reproductive rights. She's one of the founders of NORA, a coalition dedicated to combating the NRA money and political campaigns for gun reform, she has been a UNICEF national ambassador for 15 years, and in 2016, she received their Spirit of Compassion Award for her dedication to their mission. She's lobbied members of Congress for greater rights for immigrants, as well as education reform, and has been on the forefront of efforts to protect health coverage for all Americans. Most recently, she started Hashtag 2020 Fund, partnering with Movement Voter Project to raise money for local grassroots organizations to empower youth, immigrants, women, people of color, and other communities to vote. She entered the world of graphic novels with Hacktivist, a fast-paced cyber thriller that follows the young founders of an innovative social media company who moonlight as a secret black hat hacker team. I'm still going. Like, two more paragraphs. (laughs) Alyssa starred on the hit series Charmed for nine years. The show's international appeal has brought it to more than 100 territories around the world. She also starred on Melrose Place, began her career on ABC Who's the Boss?, and starred in the ABC series Mistresses as well as serving as the host and a judge on Lifetime's Project Runway All-Stars alongside judges Isaac Mizrahi and Georgina Chapman. She has appeared in over 20 films. She also has her own women's sports licensed clothing line called Touch by Alyssa Milano and has been referred to as a trailblazer in the women's sports licensing industry. Touch enables women to look stylish while cheering on their favorite team. She has licenses with MLB, the NFL, NBA, NHL, NCAA, Major League Soccer, Minor League Baseball, and NASCAR. What can't this woman do? Let's talk to her. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to be with you. And I totally agree. We don't have time to read books. Right? I mean, it's like impossible.
1: (laughs) But uh, it really is. And it makes me super sad because I love to read. But then again, something to look forward to, right? Once the kids are, are big and
0: grown. Exactly. And that's why I do this podcast. So we can get glimpses of different books and hear more about it. And then people will be so convinced that they have to run out and buy the book and find time anyway. So (laughs) Oh, I love it. Thanks. Speaking of books, your middle grade novel about Hope running for president is so timely given the upcoming election and everything else. Yeah. Your series is fantastic. Tell me about starting the series in general and, and then this particular book in it. It's
1: actually a pretty amazing story. I became friends with our illustrator first. His name is Eric Keyes, and he's a brilliant illustrator, but he's also the character designer for The Simpsons. And so I DM'd him once because I was starting my Patriot Not Partisan website, which is a website filled with all essays from both sides of the political spectrum. And I, I asked if he had any, you know, like political art that he wanted to share. And he had this, this character that he designed that was like this little girl. She was more like toddler age you know, marching and with a bullhorn and, and doing really incredible things. And I said, oh, my God, who is that and what are you doing with her? And he said, nothing, really. You can, you know, do whatever. And I said, well, can we try to sell a children's book using her? And he said, yes, let's do that. So I created this whole character. He's like, well, what would her name be? And I said, Hope. Hope obviously. Her name is Hope. And, you know, had this whole story, you know, idea in my in my head. And, and we were able to sell the idea to Scholastic as a series. So this is the, the one that just came out is book three of four. And I just love this little character so, so much. So when she was originally, so she was originally a toddler. So I was like, are we going to do a picture book? And I kind of left it up to Scholastic to give me some kind of Direction because there is no one better in in the children's book, you know, genre and world as far as publishing, and they said something which I found was really interesting, which was that middle school is such a rough time and rough transition for kids, and it's really like this untapped market because not a lot of people are writing books specifically for that age range when there are such specific issues that that age range goes through and i thought it was a perfect idea because to to age her up a little bit because when you look at you know i have two kids i have a 9 year old and a 6 year old a boy and a girl and the thing that's i think been so interesting in raising them is that they innately have this sense of empathy and compassion And wanting to help and wanting to do good. And I was just always so curious about, like, well, when does that go away? (laughs) Because obviously, the teenage years, it becomes a lot more self consumed. And I think it goes away around middle school because their entire life changes. And it is such a rough time for kids. They're usually in a new school, they have to make new friends, they're going through puberty. Their bodies are changing. They're becoming more self-conscious and self-aware. And so the thought was, is like, how can I create this character that combines all the things that children go through in middle school personally, but still cultivates what they naturally have inside of them as far as wanting to be helpful and to do good and to change the world? So that's kind of how Hope was born. And I found this amazing co-writer, her name is Debbie Rigaud, who's just been awesome and fearless and such an incredible partner to have. And, you know, the way I describe her is she wants to change the world, but she has to go through middle school first. (laughs) And so the first book was about, all about Hope finding her voice and using it. And that can sometimes be super uncomfortable, but a necessity, And then the second book, Hope Project Animal Shelter, is about Hope becoming a community organizer and raising money to keep her local animal shelter open. And it's really cute. The illustrations are amazing. And this one's called Hope Project Class President. And it's basically, you know, we wanted to give kids a real sense of a civic class almost, embedded in this this fun story of, of Hope running for class president. So kids will learn t- terminology like town halls and debates and canvassing and, you know, things that we are hearing a lot about now when you turn on the news with the election coming up. So it's been a really rewarding, rewarding experience, one that I am super proud of and And just to have something that I'm able to give my kids and say, you know, this is for you and your friends has been really, really great. That's amazing. I have to say, not
0: all young kids are empathetic. So to have, to have, I don't think they all, I've met some, really, uh, you know, so I don't know. (laughs) I mean,
1: my, my kids just came out very concerned and empathetic. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I think. When I think about, you know, like the cr- what happens when one baby cries and then another baby cries, and to me, that's that's empathy, right? That's feeling a, a shift in the in the environment that causes some kind of emotion, and I think all all kids sort of have that a little bit, maybe I
0: was, right? Maybe I was just thinking of some of the meaner kids who we've crossed paths with. Yeah, I, have, I, I, have-
1: I think. I think those are the kids that that never had their compassion nurtured yes. at all and is probably lacking that in other areas of their lives, not just, you know, in taking care of other people, but how people are, treat them. Totally agree.
0: You're absolutely right. And I have four kids, and my oldest kids are twins, and they're 13. So we are in the middle school years as we speak. So I'm only like a couple years ahead of you. But I have to say that at least in my case, I feel like the empathy doesn't totally go away and nothing happens overnight, but, but it is so essential at this time to get books like yours and show leadership and kindness and how you can help and just get out of your own sort of bubble of worries into the world, which frankly, a lot of adults could use as well. (laughs) Yes.
1: Isn't that the truth? Yes, for sure. But I really wanted to nurture the beauty that I saw in my kids and how so amazing that they they always know how to reduce something that seems so complex to its like most basic emotional place. And that goes for political issues too. Like the way in which their minds think about the issues has nothing to do with partisanship politics. It has to do with humanity and and being you know a good person. and I think that it's very interesting to watch them process what's happening right now. and I think for a lot of parents, it's very interesting to try to figure out how much to tell their children about what's happening and
0: in what way. To say it, right? It's all great. It's very, it's very hard. It is a very sort of loaded time to be a parent. And yeah, uh,
1: it really is. And you have the pandemic and it's, you know, and not knowing what, I mean, it's hard enough being a parent and knowing that you're making the right decisions with your kids, but then you add the pandemic part on top of it. And it's like, I don't know, is, is this going to affect them for the rest of their lives? Are they going to want to wash down packages forever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to grow to be neurotic or more neurotic or have worse anxiety than they would have normally had? So it, there's just so much to it. And it, is it bad that I'm keeping them home from school and homeschooling them, even though there are kids in their class, but... Is it worse if they get sick? I mean, it just feels really big, and it
0: all felt big before you know? I feel like I, that was that, that is the similar reel I have playing in my head, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the only thing I have like turned to and i'm i you're probably the same way is you just have to like listen deep down what you feel is right and you know, this isn't about like, should my kid be on the soccer, travel soccer, right? You know, like things that seem like big deals before now it's like, all right, well, this is what my comfort level is. And i just have to go with it because I've got nothing else to go on. <laughs> right. And also I always fall
1: back to, you know, I did not have the easiest childhood being a working child at the age of seven. So I always fall back on like, I was okay And the only reason why I'm okay now is because I have parents who loved me and who it was so important for them to make me feel safe and loved. And I feel like that's the biggest part of this is as long as we can continue to to allow our children to feel safe and loved, they're going to be okay no matter what.
0: Now that you have kids of your own, do you look back on that period of time any differently than, like, when you were going through it? Do you think, like, how was I able to do it? How could I pull it off or any regrets? Well, yeah, my
1: son is nine, which was the, uh, in one year from my son's age now is the age I when I shot and was the boss pilot. And I look at him and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> how did I ever... I mean, it is really crazy and that we expect kids to be able to perform for, I mean, I was on that show for eight years and it was such a big part of my life, but it was hard. It was hard. I was working in going to school and trying to be a good, you know, daughter and friend and sibling and, you know, definitely a, a thing. Yeah. But my point is just that I think children are incredibly resilient as long as they feel loved and safe.
0: Very true. And I love how you even give role models in the current Hope book of how leadership can change institutions, right? Like Hope, even something as simple as changing the entrance of a building, right? And giving people, making people feel special with a VIP sixth grade, you know, walkway and like all these little things that she did and even helping her friend and saying, you know what, you be my campaign manager and just all these things she does to bring everybody together. It's great to see it. It's great to see a girl doing that, honestly. It's just it's just nice to have such a great role model in, in a middle grade book. That's all. Well, I, I think
1: often we teach our young girls about leadership through historic women or celebrity women. And you know, to be able to create a character who was, you know, a peer of young children who could show leadership qualities, you know, and not be those terms that we seem to use when girls show leadership qualities like bossy or, you know, snobby or self-centered, you know, but to really give her this warm, beautiful strength and to lead from a place of service, which is the thing that I think women do so incredibly well that we lead from a very different place i feel like men lead often from a place of wanting something like power or or notoriety or fame or money and i think as women when we're in you know at our our best and our strongest we're leading from a place of service and what does that look like in middle school <laughs> it's like you know creating a, an entrance especially for the sixth
0: graders so yeah it's been it's been really rewarding working on that project. and Did you ever think you were going to write books for kids? Is that been a goal of yours or it just happened this way? I think once I had my own kids and I saw what was out
1: there and how, you know, there are some beautiful children's books, but there's also some really silly children's books. And so I think for me, wanting to contribute to that place was important, especially since I had, you know, and you have kids, all of a sudden you're like, I'll do an animated movie and play, you know, a squishy or whatever because you just want, you know, you just want your kids to like what you're doing. So, yeah, I'm I'm really happy. Just the the fact that I get to dedicate books to my to my children and my nieces and nephews is pretty cool.
0: And tell me just a little about how all of your activism plays into this. I mean, you're doing so many different things. You're like saving the world here from Time's Up to UNICEF to directing and acting and writing and and your kids and I mean I know we're all busy but like that seems like a <laughs> I think that seems like a particularly heavy load to well, bear. I realized that like
1: that this idea of women having it all is kind of a something that we are made to feel like we we need to do and once I put the pressure off of me for that's when everything kind of fell into place. And I realized that there is no such thing as balance. It does not exist. The most important thing we can do as as moms and, and women is do the things we love, the things that make us feel fulfilled and be really present and in the moment when we do those things. You know, when I'm with my children, I am concentrated on being the best mother I could possibly be when I'm writing whatever I'm concentrated in that moment, in writing when I'm being interviewed, I concentrate on that moment. And I found that that is the best way to sort of manage the chaos of it all, because it's a lot of chaos. It really is. And and I think every, every mom feels it at some point where they just feel overwhelmed, where they're like, you know, it's 6 p.m. They're like, I'm go lay down (laughs) by myself, you know, because we just need that sort of decompression. But yeah, I I don't think it exists. I think you just have to
0: manage your time well and in a way where you are in the moment, in every moment. That's great advice. Yeah, and I'm envying the moms who can take a nap at 6 o'clock. That's, like, not happening in my house. I don't know.
1: Oh, that wouldn't be a nap. That would be going to sleep
0: at 6 <laughs> Oh, going to bed for be the night. night.
1: Okay, yes. For the, night, for the entire night yeah. where I'm like, I've just – you're dealing with dinner, honey, and I'm going to go – Do whatever I have to do, whether that means be on the treadmill and take a hot shower and get into bed early, whatever that means, I really try. I think it's so important that we all try to have those moments.
0: I just started this new Instagram community and a second podcast called Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight because I felt like so many people, especially with the pandemic, have just felt like things have gotten a little out of control. Oh yeah. So I feel like I hear all day now of like just how hard it is to even get in like a walk or a workout or whatever yeah. just to stay, you know.
1: I bought one of those like little like recumbent bikes that I can put under my desk. And when I have like five minutes, I'll just, you know, do that or, or kick the soccer ball around with the kids or something that's, you know, or jump in the trampoline, something that at least gets my heart rate up.
0: I try one today, but it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, the trampoline is like a hidden gem. That's like the best. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I don't know what it is about
0: the pandemic. I mean, I was sick.
1: So I, I had COVID in March or April, March and April. And I have a lot of the long haulers' symptoms, but just tired all the time. And even my friends that hadn't had or didn't have COVID are just tired all the time. So I think that there's something about, almost like our bodies just go into like protection, hibernation mode. Yes.
0: Well, when you're essentially off, when an entire planet is like fearing for their lives, right? Something happens. Like a collective worry or a collective pain. Yeah. I'm sorry about your experience. I know I read about that. Are you okay now?
1: Like what? I still have symptoms. I mean, I'll be totally fine some days. And I mean, I don't have an autoimmune thing that I can compare this to. But I, it feels like, you know how people talk about who have lupus or MS, they'll talk about flare-ups mm-hmm. and they'll be okay some days and then they'll have flare-ups. Well, that's what this is like. It's like I'm totally fine, feel strong, have energy on some days. And then other days I'm just shortness of breath, heart palpitations, joint aches and pains. And I don't know one person who has recovered from this that has been totally fine. I mean, I have one friend who felt good and then they found a blood clot in his leg. So, I mean, it seems like this is like nobody, you know, just gets the acute sickness and then is, is out, of, out of this. It just feels, and you know, the doctors don't know. I had this new symptom a little while ago, this like, like not burning palms, but kind of like a bubbly under my skin feeling. And I called my doctor and I was like, this can't still be like new thing. And he said, yeah, that's probably your small blood vessels leaking. What? I'm like, what? Does that go away? And he said, well, we'll see. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We'll see. That's it.
0: That's all I get. My mother-in-law was very, very ill with COVID and ended up passing away. But for six weeks, we oh, were so sorry. It was awful. But I was on the phone with doctors like all the time. And we would say things like, well, what comes next? Like, what do you think? And when the doctors are even like, we're not sure. What else can you do? We don't know. I mean, it's like my whole life, right? You're brought up that like the doctors know <laughs> most of the answers, right? That there are some things that, they, that are incurable, but for the most part, they got right. it under control. Or that there's at least
1: some article somewhere that they could go back and refer to that will tell you how to deal with, you know, respiratory viral infection. But this was so, so new and so raw. And I'm so, I'm so sorry that you were
0: affected that closely. That is brutal. Well, I'm sorry you were. And so many other people, it's insane. It's like everywhere you turn, but Anyway, on to happier things. So (laughs) back to Hope. (laughs) Are you expanding the series? Do you have other big projects in the works? Are you doing more TV movie stuff? Like what's on the next like six months for you? Well, we just, well, the election is first and
1: foremost. We just announced the Who's the Boss sequel. Oh, that's
0: right. Yes, I I saw that. I'm sorry. Which
1: I'll be doing with Tony, which will be really, really, really fun and exciting. We don't know anything about it yet except that he's probably gonna come visit Sam for a weekend and never leave. And then the chaos will ensue of him taking care of my kids. And then the holidays will come up and then I I'm not sure really. I'm I'm in the in the process of writing a book of essays right now and I'm super excited about that. I'm hoping to take, you know, a little bit of a vacation and just rest for a little bit. I mean, my idea of resting is, you know, just not doing things back to back to back every day, but have like half a day where I get to paint or do something that, you know, that I'm not trying to crank out. And yeah, that's it. I mean, we're all just kind of playing it by ear right now. Right. I mean, I look at people, there's people on sets and they're all masked up and with shields and like these little like dressing room pods. And it just does not look not only does it not look fun to go back to work on a set right now, but also it looks like it would totally make me anxious, you know, because there's a constant reminder that this thing is is in the air just by the, the way in which you have to function for 12 hours a day. You know, being home, we could sort of isolate ourselves and we're so adaptable that we can, I feel like, at least shut off what's happening on the outside a little bit. But I feel like if you're Like at a set, on a set for 12 hours and seeing how everybody has to sanitize and put on protective gear. And I I think that would really mess with my anxiety.
0: Yeah, sort of in your face. (laughs) There's no avoiding that. Right. I feel like even just to go to a doctor's office, I had to go to some building today and I'm in New York city. And it's like, first we walked in and then I had to go to a computer and then I had to get my temperature screened and then we had to wash our hands and we had to check it. I was just like, I kind of wasn't emotionally prepared for that. I thought it, you know, yeah. it's like everything. Yeah. Work, yeah, you know, Everyday life. It's just, yeah. it's just a bit crazy. So do you have any advice for aspiring authors or just aspiring creative people? Because it, you're like an artist in a lot of different ways, right? From acting? To, I mean, what, what advice would you have? Well, I think
1: to nurture your creativity is important, not only to keep it alive, but also to spark other ways in which you can be creative. So, you know, and it all kinds of, it feeds off each other, I feel like. You know, I I just started during the quarantine doing watercolor painting. And it's amazing how just sitting down for 20 minutes in the evening and really being mindful and doing something that is so fluid, so unforgiving, can spark ideas about like an, an essay I want to write. Or So I really think creativity kind of breeds more creativity. And you don't have to do just that one thing that you think you're creative at, that you can start you know s- something new and it will still feed the thing that you think that you're good at. So yeah, just keep doing it and keep forcing yourself to sit down and have that time to allow that part of your brain to uh to work because I think at least for me, I know that, you know, different parts of my brain will will supersede my creativity sometimes and I have to really sort of slow it down and like try to find that again. And, you know, sometimes that means listening to great music. Sometimes it means watching a movie that I love. And I I think also the idea that there is beauty in everything, that idea of that there's kind of like this perfect system that's at work here. And there's something about just that mindset that I think lends itself to more just creative thinking, you know, thinking outside of the box, thinking in new ways how to share part of yourself. Because ultimately that's what art should be as sharing who you are. And, you know, hopefully that resonates and it can resonate in different ways for different people. Very true.
0: Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing this time with me and for using this limited focus time here.
1: <laughs> of course. Thank you for allowing me a chance to to be on your
0: podcast. Of course. I hope you feel better and that all the thank symptoms you. go away. And thank you so much. your kids keep loving your books. I think that's the coolest. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to day four of the Children's Book Blast. Hope you'll come back tomorrow for our final day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to check out my new podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Pretty soon, moms won't have time to listen to podcasts. And check out the Instagram community that goes along with it. And if you would like to join, please request to join. It's for anyone who wants to feel body better in their body tomorrow than they do today. And it's a supportive group of like-minded souls who just need the community to achieve their goals. Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight.